Hi, Happy New Year, Catherine. Happy New Year, Chelsea. It's the new year, you guys. It's the new year. It is. I mean, are we allowed to like look forward to this new year? I feel like we had a lot of kerfuffle the last couple of years when we were like, it's 2020. It's going to be so exciting. I saw something on Instagram where I saw somebody saying like, walk into 2022 with your eyes open and don't touch anything that you see. <laughs> like you're walking into an <laughs> antique store. And I was like, oh, that's uh, oh apropos or apt, I should say. Yeah, it is a new year. That's it's an feels. exciting time to be alive. It can't be fucking like last mm-hmm. year. That that much we know for sure. Right. So uh, there are vaccines. Yes, there's an Omicron variant spreading, but there are vaccines, people, mm-hmm. and they're available to you. They are non-discriminatory. You can get a vaccine. So if you can get one, do it, please. That's amazing. And are you based in Whistler now? You're just like hanging out skiing right now? Yes, I am hanging out skiing and I am basing myself out of Whistler so I can catch my breath from performing every weekend and I have a lighter schedule and I am excited. Yeah, I'm excited to get the party started. You know what I mean? The skiing party that is. Amazing. My guest for today, you know her from Broad City and her stand-up special, The Planet is Burning, which is available on Amazon, and from her voter empowerment work with her organization, Generator, which is how she and I really got together, actually. She is also the star, the creator and star of False Positive, which is a movie on Hulu. It is a thriller horror about childbirth. They filmed it a couple of years ago, but this just came out this summer, and wow... Ironically, she was pregnant with her first baby. So my guest today is Alana Glazier. Hi. Yay! Welcome, Alana! I'm going to correct you and say it's Glazer. Oh, fuck. That's okay. Alana Glazer. Glazer is like a sort of somebody who works with glass, and Glazer is this guy. Okay, and I want you to know that my last name is actually Handjob. (laughs) And everyone's been pronouncing that wrong as well. Alana Glazer. That's it. I'm glad you corrected me. Good. I do that with Charlize Theron all the time, who's a very close friend of mine, and she gives me shit about mispronouncing her name all the time. Her first or last? I mean, they're both a little exactly. Nuanced. That's and I told her I go. I don't even think you're pronouncing it right. Uh-huh. You that's know what right. I mean? That's how I feel about Australian accents. They don't know. They don't know what the accent <laughs> exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> that's how I feel about Australians. Uh huh. Um, like, where are we? No. Yeah. I was trying to get that Australian knife for a long time because I was doing this imitation of an Australian pilot in my stand-up, and then I had to toss it because I couldn't get the knife. Yeah. Because it's like knife. N-A-U-R is how the youths are spelling it on the internet. Oh, is that it? No. It's rough. Like, my fucking voice is so great. Well, yeah. I like your voice. It's soothing. You should do one of those meditation apps. Ooh, I'd love it. Just for Jews only. (laughs) (laughs) The last time I saw you, we were at my show in the Beacon. You came so kindly. I love seeing you there. That was uh, just lit and so empowering. Of course, I missed the night before Sarah Silverman and Amy Schumer and Sarah Cooper. You had a damn lineup, girl. Oh, yeah, that was fun. We were the only person we were missing was you. But you were sick and you were being responsible because it was one of those every time we get sick, sick, it's a covid scare thing. So we have to be even just a little flare. I was thinking about a awesome 50th birthday party that I missed recently because I was like a little run down and I was like, fuck, 
but you got to do it. It's always been gross to show up somewhere a little sick, yes. but now it's disgusting right. and wrong. Now right. it is disgusting and wrong. And we were together <laughs> on that night. We went out to dinner with Mateo Lane. Boop, boop. And yeah, I was oh, on my 30-day alcohol nice. cleanse. So I got to break my 30-day alcohol cleanse with Alana Glazer. Yep. And I had an Aperol spritz. Mm. Who knew that sentence would ever come out of my mouth? <laughs> a, that I was on an alcohol cleanse, and B, that I broke it with an Aperol spritz. That's so funny. I mean, I'm basically <laughs> like a soccer mom at this point. <laughs> your You're name. a mother, though, at yeah. this point. Yeah, I am a, a what is what are you a, in the city is a walk-up mom. You just stares and stares and stares. Oh, in the right. City. I'm just like, how long can this last? I don't know. Kelsey, hand job. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the good thing is that, like, as long as my form is good, life is a hardcore workout in New York City with a, a baby. So I'm feeling fit and strong, but I'm also like, it's just insane here. It's just insane. I'm looking back. I've been here 16 years, and uh, what a crazy... It's just changed. This city is so insane. And it's like the microcosm of everything. It's insanity. Do you think it's wearing you thin or are you saying that you love it? How are you feeling? I mean, both. I love it and I hate it. <laughs> I mean, like, I love it, but I'm also just like, ugh, what? You know, the high rises, the rats are, are full citizens in New York City. Mm. It's, it's bunkers. In L.A., they're crazy. There are rats in L.A. and they are possums in L.A. Uh, yeah, they're large. Mm. That is scary shit. Yeah. They are. I was staying in L.A. for like five months last year. And whenever I'm in LA, I'm haunted by ghosts. I have like environmental issues and animal issues. And something always is like happening. And the rats were like full woodworking in the walls of the places I was staying. Oh my God. It was building furniture. It was insane. Wow. Were you staying at a hostel? (laughs) I was staying at a Totally lovely house in Laurel Canyon. But they were like, oh, yeah, Laurel Canyon, the nicest place. Yeah, infested with rats. I was like, this place is, I mean, L.A. is so itself and its contradictions. But in New York, they're smaller and more cerebral, at least. I can can handle them. More cerebral. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Joe and I went to this morning. We're doing this out of New York City today. Joe and I went to because he had to get his TCA renewed, TSA, yeah. to move quicker at the airport. He he didn't get his renewed so you could get pre-check or whatever it is. TSA pre-check. TCA or the Critics' Choice Association. <laughs> so that's exactly what I was talking about. Anyway, we had to go there and get that done. And we went in. Well, we had an appointment, but it was in the Bronx. And I said, let's just walk in. We walk in. From where? Walk it? Yeah, some oh, post, walk in, walk like in. a walk-in, some like post office around the corner. We walk in, we put his name in, and then we go to check and see how long it is. And they say it's going to be two hours. And we were waiting in the room, and the woman's like, "Okay, well, you can't wait inside if you're a walk-in." And like we had been waiting for thirty minutes. I go, "But we've been here the whole time." She goes, "Yeah, but appointments only are allowed to wait inside." And we were masked up, obviously. And I said. Okay, so we have to now go outside because I asked you how long it was going to oh, be. Fuck. And she goes, yes. So we leave. We I go see. get we go get pedicures together, Love. one of my favorite activities to yes. do with my boyfriend. And we came back, and she's like, all ca- appointments have been canceled. No! Oh, I was like, what the fucking kind of s- customer service is this? Oh, my God. You're, it's like, not that I ha- ever have intellectual references, but it's like a Edward Albee play, you know, like Waiting for Godot. 
and no exit. It's the two references I have from college. I don't know shit, but it's just like you're in a loop and it's like an absurdist play. And that's what bureaucracy in New York. Feels yeah. Like. And the logic behind it is like these people have an appointment so they can wait in the waiting room. <laughs> but you can't because you're a walk in appointment. It's like, OK, it's a little, uh, Dr. Susie. Yeah. The logic is like really anyway. OK. Can I say two things? T- TCAs. You just want a Critics' Choice Award for Evolution, right? I oh, thank you. No, I won one for Best Comedy to our People's Choice Award. Ooh. Yeah. But same thing, right? Congratulations. Thanks. Well, the people. I mean, that's that's even better. No offense than the critics. Oh, well, for me, it's all about the people. Yeah. I can't be performing for critics. We know that. You know that. Right. Yeah. But congratulations. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Seeing all of your wins is so inspiring. I love them. Uh, Well, I feel the same way about you. Speaking of which, (laughs) it was a little much, I think, to Joe. I was like, Joe, Joe, Coy. Like, I'm just so excited about your guys. Love. I love it. Nothing's too much for him. He is the king of enthusiasm. So don't even (laughs) ever get it twisted. I want to talk uh, more specifically about your movie, False Positive. Oh, love it. So let's talk a little bit about that and why that was important for you to make, because I know that was close to your heart, right? Yeah, I mean, that was like a, I can't even believe it got made. It was such a like fucked up passion project from like my core. So I'm actually, I'm stoked about it. And I'm stoked you want to talk about it. Yeah. So you were involved, obviously, in the creative process from the outset. Yeah, I, I wrote that with my writing partner for that film, John Lee. So we wrote that script and then I started it and he directed it. So it was like similar to Broad City in that it was like something that I saw from conception to birth. No pun intended because it's all about birth and conceiving. So, yeah, it's a very quite punk and satirical and weird and unique. And what were the most important themes like when you were very passionate? First of all, how long did it take you from the start of conceptualizing Mm -hmm. it to actually executing it? Gosh, what? year is it my brain is so broken I know, man. Instagram I know. well you have mommy breaking. brain now you can blame that and covid and new yeah. york city I, I blame instagram actually um <laughs> i just blame instagram my, my brain is leaking out my ears every time i open no. instagram it's just brain diarrhea out of my ears what about when you mindlessly go on tiktok and then it plays it at full volume even when you have it down on instagram if you go on tiktok Everyone around you knows that you're on TikTok. <sighs> Are you on TikTok? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You're you making not... TikToks? Uh, yeah. I make them once in a while, but I don't have like a social media person. I have a coordinator and producer who helps me, but it's not like I like have a dedicated social media person. If I did, they're fun. You know, it's fun to make little things and, and it's a fun creative outlet, but like I can barely handle it on my own. So I make just stupid ones randomly. I'm not I haven't invested a whole thing in it yet. Yeah, I have a social media team because I can't be, I I can't, I feel that that way about you. I need somebody to get excited for me and then I can produce the content. I'm not even produce it. I can show up and record it. Right, right. That's like somewhere I want to get to in 2022 is just have that because it's fun and it it does reach people. You know, it feels good as a fan to like see your stuff and be like, hey, Chelsea, you know, I want to get there. But um, yeah, my shit's leaking out my ears. So the question was, how long did it take you from the inception of False Positive to actually seeing it come to fruition? I would say five years from starting to talk about it with John Lee to three years from writing it to the point of putting it out. Mm -hmm. And it's about the power structures that run the world and how they fuck over women. And that happens in medicine. That happens, of course, on a spectrum from black to Asian to white to queer. You know, there's this uh, algorithm in the power structures that fucks people over to different degrees. So it's about this white woman in New York City who's trying to get pregnant. She and her husband are trying to get pregnant. And the medical system, specifically the reproductive medical system, 
fucks her over in a scary way that truly happens, because the movie is out, I'm going to tell you about it. There is a phenomenon that is pretty rampant and increasingly being exposed where some fertility doctors put their own sperm in their unwitting patients. And because, yes, Catherine, thank you for yes, that look. I'm like horrified over here. Yes, because of the way the world works is that the policymakers protect people. And if the policymakers all look like Mitch McConnell, the only people protected are Mitch McConnell. So it's technically legal. So some lawsuits have happened for it, but it's been for other shit. They have to name it as another thing. There's so little research about women and reproductive health, and there's so little legal protection, obviously. So it's like a horror movie that's like a satire about like the whiteness and the New Yorkness. And here in New York, we think we're so progressive, but damn, are we pretty backwards in a lot of ways. You know, like income disparity alone tells you how backwards a place is. And, you know, there's the richest people here and the poorest people here. So uh, New York can be whack in that way, too. So it's a pretty amazing cast. Pierce Brosnan is our villain. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan is awesome in this movie. First of all, I fucking love Pierce Brosnan. (sighs) Isn't he just the sexiest man alive every year? Fuck Paul Rudd. Pierce Brosnan (laughs) is the sexiest man alive. And he always has been. And always has been because, like, the reason that he remains Pierce Brosnan is because he is a gentleman, (laughs) like giggling and blushing, a gentleman and an artist and just a cool dude. He's like gone through a bunch of shit, survived it with immediately visible elegance and is just awesome to work with. He is awesome to work with. Oh my gosh, I'm going to tell you this this story. So there's this shot... (laughs) Oh my goodness, I am giggling and blushing. There's this, I gotta have the mask. It's like any other schoolgirl crush, girls. (laughs) There's this shot in the film where I'm like, it's this real like stylized shot and I'm covered in blood, buck naked. And I look at myself in the mirror, clothed and buck naked and clothed and naked. And I talked to Pierce on the phone to like talk about getting him to do the movie and talking about the movie or whatever. But the first time that I met him in person was covered in blood, fully naked. Oh, really? Excellent. On set? Yes. Oh. I, I was like, bring him in. And that's how I met him. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was Perfect. like, I think this will be the this is the closest I'll ever get. So here you go. I was just um, <laughs> I was like, this is this is me. I was I was covered in fake blood, which is almost like cherry syrup. So it, it was a little demure and probably very erotic for him. I hope. I mean, that's all we can do is hope. Now, when you sold this movie based on like the subject matter and everything, was that difficult to sell or did you just sell? It's on Hulu, right? Yeah. We went straight to A24 and they dug it. They're like pretty, they're keen, right? Yeah, right. They dug it and they were like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. And and we we shaped the story with them too, to, it became that style. We always were aiming at that kind of satire and the tone that it evokes. They're great producers. They helped us like shape it, shape this world. And what has it, and what has the feedback been? Have you heard from a lot of different women now about watching that movie and their own experiences? Yes, it is really eerie. How many people like even just in talking about the movie, how they have had similar experiences, discovered that this has happened to them. So many people have told me that this has happened to them, that that's who their father is, is their doctor. Riffs with their mothers who didn't tell them. I think I imagine the mothers are like, bound in a way where they're like, did I do this? I kind of knew it. 
afterwards. I kind of put the pieces together. You know, it's it's so... So doctors right opting to forego the semen that they've been supplied with and instead inseminate their own semen into their own patients. Yeah. So this is a thing that is happening. Yes. Is it because they like ran out of college student semen or they're just like monsters? It's because they're monsters. No, yeah. Since when does a man help when you run out of something? No. <laughs> Only and since when does college semen run out? <laughs> Plenty of that going Greater around. Point, and better free, point. And it's free. Yes. So, no, it's because they're monsters. And I guess the people in this position tend to be white males. But I, I can't help but it feels connected to white supremacy, too. They're like, believe me, my sperm is primo. It's like, mm. I, I don't think so, bro. I don't think so. I think the hardest thing for a lot of people to get around, and I'm sure all of our listeners are on the same page because we have such a loyal fan base. And I think the hardest thing to get around, it's like whenever I mention anything, like everything to me is goes right back to white supremacy. <laughs> like right. everything in society, even regular common everyday things that happen. You're That's like, right. oh, there's white supremacy at work. And Joe's always like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, you are a victim of white supremacy. So you yeah. should actually be even more tuned to this. The thing is, as white people, like the wool has been pulled over our eyes mm -hmm. the most because we're the ones meant to uphold the whole system. So I find that like as a white person and as a white woman, it's like I, I'm like working on this bit of like I can't unsee the patriarchy. I see it everywhere. I see it in, you know, utensils and tips and the way people, you know, it's like it is everywhere. But it's because we haven't been thrust upon the system hasn't been thrust upon us in a particular way to see it as kids. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, there's this awesome New York representative, Chi Osei, in Brooklyn, who's third generation Brooklyn. And he's like 23. He is amazing. This young person is filled with light, totally sees the whole system and how to navigate through it, is a politician. He's, he's, he's amazing, an activist turned politician. And I was like, Mr. Osei, how do you see the whole system this way? And he was like, it, it's because I'm black. Because at a young age, I knew as a black person in a black family, in a black community, what the system was doing, you know, but for us to be like, Wee! yay, and then and then it comes later. Now it's like uh, I, I feel a delayed response where it started when I left home. Basically, Smithtown Phil lives in the town that I grew up in. Oh, cute. Which is yeah. cute connection. <laughs> I mean, a real ass authentic connection behind the scenes here at Chelsea <laughs> Handjob um, Productions. <laughs> you know, but you come up against it everywhere. And we do need to be reminding ourselves or else it's harder to stay like fucking willful against it. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, it is hard because it becomes such a, It's fe it feels like you're always arguing, you know, mm -hmm. like you're always cantankerous you and you are arguing and it's like, and it's a necessary argument to be constantly reminding. It's a bummer, but it's also necessary to be constantly reminding yourself and others around you to look and see like through this through this lens of like the real reality of things, even growing up, you know, when I look back at the way, how bombastic and arrogant I was at a young age, everyone just thought I had so much confidence and I was so fearless. It was like, no, I just had grown up in a structure where I knew I could be the loudest mm -hmm. and there was, there were gonna be no repercussions. Did you grow up with Jews? Yeah. Jews and Italians, which are basically interchangeable, but it was very Jewish, very Italian where gotcha. I grew up. Where in Jersey? Livingston. Oh, gotcha which they called Bagel Hill for short. Um, on that note, we have, this podcast is where we give advice. We have real people who call in and we're just going to give our advice and hopefully these are areas that you feel comfortable giving advice in, which I know you will. Love it. And um, yeah, so Catherine, should we start with our callers? 
Yes. We'll have to take a quick break, but after that, we'll get to some callers. Oh, yes. We always have to take a quick break. Don't forget about that. (laughs) Okay. And we're back. We're back with Alana Glazer, and we're going to take some callers, right, Catherine? Yes, we are. Our first submission is actually an email, but we actually have two callers today. So our first email comes from Natalie. The subject is secret job. Dear Chelsea, I'm a 46-year-old woman who has a great husband, two amazing, smart, well-rounded kids, and I live a quiet, content life. My problem is, before I had kids, I had a very active work life, filled with responsibilities and promise. We lived in a large city, and I felt like I was going places career-wise. When our first son was born, I never really went back to work because my husband's job was very demanding and unpredictable, and we had no easy childcare options. 14 years and a year of COVID later, I realized I wanted to start doing something outside of the house. Pre-COVID, I volunteered, so I decided to get a job as a school bus driver. Here's the thing, Chelsea. I've been doing it for a year, and none of my family or friends know I have this job. I really enjoy it. I love the kids. Driving the bus is never boring, and it's only three hours a day, but... I've kept it a secret because I feel that people will look down on me like I couldn't get anything better or that I'm lazy. All my friends have fast-paced city jobs, but no kids. I'm an educated woman, and I don't know why I care what people think. I guess I could go on and get a better job, but being out of the job market for so long, I feel I've been left behind. Also, my husband has a six-week holiday every year, and my family's time off together is very important to us. So I guess I want your opinion. Am I being dishonest with myself about keeping this job a secret and pretending to still just be a stay-at-home mom? Natalie. Oh, God. First of all, you need to embrace the fact that you're driving a bus and you fucking love it. I love Natalie. I love Natalie, Natalie too. yes! <laughs> I am loving this. And also, how hot, how hot to keep it a secret, bitch. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I know. And, and also, like, her self-awareness. I, I hate the stigmas and shit that's, like, weighing her down. But I'm like, I get it. But, mm. oh, I'm loving it. Yeah. First of all, you need to embrace the fact that you got that job and that you love it. And that, first of all, you're having a great impact on children. Yes. A, you like what you're doing. Yes. B. Woo! And then the third thing is you're it's part-time, so you're able to do everything else that you feel like you need to do, which is parent you know, not as much as you were doing when they were younger. It's not as intensive. And and you're earning a living. Like, uh, this is a home run, all of this. Yeah, I'm like, yes. I, I'm like, you are not keeping this from your family. You're keeping this for yourself. <laughs> it is yours. Yeah. Take it, Natalie. <laughs> yes. Also, dare I say, I if you'd like, use that money for therapy to look at why you have the shame. Because therapy is fun. That's just, I just love therapy. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think driving a bus is beneath anybody. I think no. if you look at it, first of all, you don't even need this job. So that, that it's not like it's the right. only job you could get. You chose this job. That's right. And you're doing yes. something that is having a positive impact on your community, which is, A, number one, the most important thing any of us can do as individuals, especially in this fucking country, you know, where people are all over mm-hmm. the map and so divisive and hate each other. You know, this is mm. a great use of your time, and you should own it and embrace it. And when you want to share it with everybody, do it proudly. That's That's right. Yes. Everyone loves a bus driver. Yes. As a kid, like, I was obsessed with my bus driver. That's amazing. I love that, like, a brilliant mom is, like, taking care of these kids. And you're, like, these days a frontline Mm -hmm. worker, really, that you're, that's Mm -hmm. so important to get these kids to school. 
Oh, that's so fun. And you also don't know, Natalie, how many people you're going to inspire by telling telling the world how much fun you're having and and owning it instead of being shameful about it. Flip the script on that. Just be like, yeah, I'm cool enough to do this and be confident and secure enough that I don't have to make excuses for having a job that only you in your mind are judging as not good enough or not making enough money. This is a great way to contribute while also making a living. So good on you. And yeah, spread the word. When, when you feel comfortable, I think... You should have done it yesterday, but that's my opinion. <laughs> you know, just spread it, spread the gospel to other people so they can know that like, yeah, it's not all about how much money you're making. And especially when you don't need right. that kind of income to supplement your household. Mm-hmm. I know. I just think it's lovely. It and a lot lovely. of like retirees do bus driving, you know, mm. it's just fun. They get yeah. your own kids. She's having a great time. I think it, when it's time for you to tell your personal community about it, it's interesting that you wanted to keep it from them. That's what I mean about the therapy, mm. just because it's it doesn't have to be therapy. But just looking at that is interesting. Yeah. Problem All solved, it. it sounds like, Natalie. Okay. So I guess I, there was no problem to begin with. That's I mean, right. We love these kinds of calls. It's <laughs> just right. positive affirmations and then skedaddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you driving a bus. That sounds fun. I, I can't. Sorry, I, I don't know that can't I would operate be... a vehicle. She, <laughs> Alana can't operate a vehicle. I don't know that I would trust myself to. <laughs> but uh, I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I would be like a little too anxious for it. So props to Natalie also on operating an enormous, like what, seven ton piece of machinery. That's important for a woman and a mom to do. That's a pretty specific tonnage reference, by I, the way. Seven I tons. Right off the bat, she knows how much a bus weighs. It's pretty it's interesting, Alana. Uh, just, just throwing it out there. <laughs> so many talents. Well, our next email comes from Bryson, and he is calling in. He says, Dear Chelsea, I'm a 29-year-old medical student from South Carolina. I've been in a relationship with an amazing man for a year and a half now. He's the sweetest, most caring person I've ever met, and I'm so thankful for him. However, my boyfriend and best friend of 10 years have become enemies. When meeting <sighs> her for the first time in Orlando over New Year's, Boyfriend said something negative about her, and she overheard it. A horrible argument broke out and made the rest of the trip incredibly awkward. A couple weeks later, I found out that she had uninvited him to her wedding. I was supposed to be the man of honor, but my boyfriend was not allowed to attend. I ended up going to the wedding, but since then, things have not been the same. We've been through therapy over this situation, and I have not been able to salvage the relationship between the two of them. My boyfriend absolutely wants nothing to do with her and has threatened to end our relationship if she remains a part of my life. My best friend thinks he's controlling and, quote, horrible. Is it possible to fix this so I can have both my boyfriend and my best friend, Bryson? What a love friendship triangle. <laughs> oh, that's hard. Hi, Bryson. Katie. Hi. Hi. Hi How Bryson. are you? I'm good. So excited to see you guys. Oh, thanks. We're happy to be here yeah. to help you navigate. Yeah. Yes. Tough. Okay, so tell us what happened. So it's your best friend and your boyfriend. Exactly. Yeah. So we get there and she starts making some like kind of racist comments at the beginning, unfortunately. And he's biracial. So like really sensitive to any kind of stuff like that. So like we're going into a Walmart and she talked about how like, oh, there's always these black people hanging out outside of the Walmart and it makes her nervous. So like already that's not a great way to start. And then like, this is New Year's Eve. So like, we're all having this party at her house and we're talking about relationships. And she says something like, well, you guys have only been together for like 20 minutes. We've been together for almost a year at that point. 
And then like, as the night got on, he and I were having what we thought was a private conversation. He shared with me, like, I can't believe how rude she is. Like somebody needs to put her in her place. And I'm glad we don't live near her. And turns out she was in the bedroom and heard everything that we said. So she comes like storming out of the house and, you know, blows up at him. Like I heard everything you said, just erupts. Then they have this like amazing conversation. She's crying, saying like, you know, she's not a racist person. You know, she and him don't have to necessarily be friends, but because she loves me and he loves me, like they need to get along. Everything's fine. The next like three days of our trip are great. A couple of weeks later is her bachelorette party. And she tells me on the trip, he's not invited to the wedding anymore which came like a complete, like out of nowhere, like why you guys just had this awesome, you know, you made up, like, why would you do this? So she blamed it on COVID said that no one in her bridal party is having their partners or whatever. And like, okay, well, fine. Like I can get that. So we get to the wedding. Of course, everyone in the bridal party has a partner. So she lied to me about that. So I was hurt immediately. I was her man of honor. So like I had an amazing speech, you know, and I was there standing right next to her throughout the whole wedding. And afterwards, I just kind of cut ties. More and more time went by and like we started therapy over this. And what we decided through therapy was that I need to start pulling away from this relationship. Like I need to cut contact in order to salvage what I have with him. And I have a really hard time with that. I really struggle cutting ties with people. And, and so we went about two months without speaking. And then she finally reached out and I guess because I had, you know, wanted to talk to her for so long, like when she reached out, I kind of reverted back. Like it was just like nothing had changed, you know, but still had him over here who was hurting really badly, knowing that I was having these conversations with her because in his eyes, it's like, you know, you're, you don't have my back. So where it stands now, we haven't spoken since September. We've been best friends for 10 years. We used to speaking like every day and it's been really hard. Because like, I'm at a really great point in my life. I'm about to graduate medical school. Like I'm interviewing at all these programs and I want to share all these experiences with her. And she just bought a house and I want to hear about her married life and the survivor finales tonight. And we love that. So that's something we always talk about. So, you know, just not having that in my life has been really hard. So I'm just not sure how to have both of those. Yeah, you're not the only person. A lot of people have a problem cutting off ties, have a problem with conflict, confrontation. So that's not uncommon. But can I just ask you about your relationship with your your partner? Would you describe it as a healthy relationship? Does he treat you well? Does he respect you? All of those things? He's the most amazing person I've ever met. Like I've dated some scumbags in the past few years. And once he came into the picture, everyone's like, finally, my family loves him. You know, everybody in my life loves him except for her. Yeah. So I'll go first. I think that your friend sounds like she's got some A, jealousy issues about your relationship with him. And then B, she's got her own issues if she's making comments like that, walking into Walgreens or, you know, commenting about black people like for you to have a tolerance of that is kind of what you have to just that's your baseline. Right. Are you going to be tolerant of that kind of behavior? That's the perfect reasoning for you to give somebody the room they need with a nice like email as your last outreach to her saying, this is a person in my life that is so important to me. This is the best relationship, the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. I hope that at a certain point in your life that you will come around to recognize how valuable he is to me and how valuable your your friendship is too. But I'm being forced now to make a choice between the two of you because of 
her behavior. It doesn't sound like your partner did anything to warrant her acting like this. She threw it in your, not only did she make that comment walking in with somebody who's biracial, that comment's not acceptable if you're around a bunch of white people, never mind if you're around somebody who's not white. You know what I mean? And then also what she did to you at her wedding by disinviting him and then showing Uh. up, that's a real fuck you. That's a fuck you to you, you know? And so your hesitancy about having a confrontation or losing someone, when somebody like, like that is in your life and kind of just attracting so much negativity, you're used to that. That's a habit for you that you're okay with. And you, you shouldn't be, really. Right. You should have a higher standard of operation between your friends and what's acceptable to say and what's not. Because regardless of whether you're with this guy or not, right. she shouldn't be talking about black people like that. I mean, are you okay with that? No, certainly not. She's gotten away with it for so long, like saying all these off-the-cuff comments. And, you know, I, I don't think she's... A racist person, but you know, it's not even okay to like say joking things. Like yeah. That. And you can put that in the letter. You can write her this email and saying all of the things that you value about your relationship. And here's where you've crossed the line. And I would be willing to forgive you if you would be able to come to the table and actually say, I've done some work on myself. I'm ready to actually act like in concert in this relationship. So it's not uneven and one-sided and where she's willing to embrace your partner and also owe him a heartfelt apology. She owes him a heartfelt That's apology right. not right. not just saying oh yeah whatever she has to actually say from her heart because i'm sure your partner if he's a well-rounded individual would accept an apology if it were heartfelt the problem is is that it sounded like the initial one wasn't and then her behavior right. after that negated any apology anyway exactly. so i just am completely behind everything that chelsea's saying and i don't mean to just straight up alienate her but i'm like that's nuts To say that in a group of white people is like, what? But to say that with a biracial person is nuts. That's just wild to me, you know, and not cool. And the wedding thing is so hurtful. I I just for a second want to reflect. That is so hurtful, manipulative and like gaslighting. I'm like, if I were there, I'd be like, am I crazy? That is so gaslighting. So there's a couple levels I'm looking at here where it is so mean to your partner and so mean to you. You're her best friend of 10 years that she's like fighting for. That is so, I mean, honestly, low-key violent to both of you. That's a a lot to process. I'm so excited by the way you're talking about him and that the rest of your community is so into him. Look at you smile. I mean, that's like- He's great. Dude, that's, uh, I have chills. Like there's nothing better. Why I'm obsessed with Chelsea. Yeah, she loves love. She loves love. I just met Joe and I was like, Joe Coy. I mean, it's like, dude, like, Also, you're becoming a doctor. You need support in order to care for all these people that you're about to care for. So as we get older, the different years and decades that we go through, our priorities shift. And, you know, I'm thinking maybe she was the type of person who who was the correct best friend for when you were dating scumbags. Maybe she's not the right person for when you're dating a gem. And I really like Chelsea's idea Mm -hmm. of an email just because it gives written boundaries almost like legally it's like but i said this you know it's you can't always hold people to you said this people change things change but i like that in an email and i'm what i like about it actually is that it provides distance i I don't think that being close to this person is healthy i don't think that you have to be like i'll never talk to her again because you know if she feels like family or something 
we all have racist family and it's not like, you know, you can never talk to them again. And you can also interact with them in a way that is health through exercising healthy boundaries. But I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want her at my wedding if I were you or your partner, because that's just not chill and relaxing and joyful. There's like something to keep your eye on and mind on there. Like you don't want any, you don't need any stains, you know, like, oof, you don't need any stains on the day to day. Yeah. And I would also remind you that, you know, sometimes when you cut off a friendship, I know you're viewing it as a loss, but mm. it, it can be a gain. You That's know what right. I mean? When you set That's your right. standards mm. to be higher, you're gaining because you're saying I, this is no longer acceptable to me. I will not tolerate this That's behavior right. from you. I love you. And you can say that with love. You know, sometimes friendships do exhaust themselves or they have an expiration date and that can be depressing, but you don't have to look at it that way. You have to look at it as you're growing, you're becoming less tolerant of any kind of that of that behavior. Also in service to your partner, like you respect him and that's showing him respect. Like, I'm not going to allow you to be treated this way, you know, and that's going to have to make you feel good. Right. right. You know, there's no reason it shouldn't like you're standing up for yourself and and you should stand up for yourself. Protecting him and protecting your relationship is protecting yourself. Like that just sounds like such a great situation. At first, when you said ultimatum, I was like, oh, but then to hear the, the actual details, it's like. That's him. that's your partner protecting himself and your relationship. He's he's seeing what's healthy. Yeah. And I don't see it as an ultimatum. I just see it as like a letter, like a missive of saying, hey, I understand we're in different places right now. So we're going to take a time out from our relationship. Right. I'm always here. I'm always here for you if you want to come back and, you know, you feel like, you know, you've changed or your, your behavior, you know, you'll find the right words to describe the situation for what it's worth. Don't over like describe the details and the minutia. That's right. irrelevant. It's more broad strokes. You know, it's like we've been friends for a long time. That means a lot to me. And I would never disrespect you in this way or I would want to be available for you like if I said something that would ever hurt your partner or your husband I would always want to be you know aware of that and I would want to uh, amend or change my behavior or become a little bit more clued in to what's acceptable these days but as a gay man and as a partner of somebody that you love that it sounds like you're going to be with for quite some time yeah you owe that relationship more respect than you owe your previous relationship yeah and at the end of the day you're coming home to him not to that's her that's right You know, it's like you defined these two people. And when you talked about him, it's like lovely, amazing, the thing I've been looking for. And when you talked about her, it was difficult, overreacting, kind of racist. And I think when you look at it in those basic terms, like like Alana and Chelsea said, there's a reason we start to outgrow some of those relationships at 27, 28, 29. I I do feel like it's definitely a growing experience. Like it's time to it's time to grow up and kind of make some of the harder decisions that I've been avoiding for a long time. Uh, Mm. This relationship is super important to me and definitely one that I see going long-term. So yeah, I think it's time to put on the the big boy pants and make a decision like that. Yeah. And it's going to bring you and your partner even closer together because he's going to understand that you're going to step up to the plate for him. And he should know that, you know, that's what a partnership is about that. He's got your back. She doesn't have your back. She's shown you that a few times. So you don't need to find that out again. Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, not easy for me, but I'm excited for what the future has with us. Yeah, exactly. And I think once you do that, Bryson, your your avoidance of conflict will actually diminish. You know, once you get the ball mm-hmm. rolling and you do it once, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait, this is good. This is empowering. This is what I should be able to do to stand up for myself, my loved ones, my family, the people that are important. Perfect. Well, Alana, nice to meet you. you I've too. seen every episode of Broad City, Aww. so it's lovely to see you. Thank you. Congrats on about to be graduating medical school. That is a huge 
difficult accomplishment. Good job. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Thanks. Bye, Bryson. I was just about to add, I'm glad that he's going to be graduating medical school without her uh, ruining the graduation. That's right. Not that she would show up for it because she <laughs> sounds like she's so wrapped up in her own stuff. Ugh. But imagine doing that. Like you give, you know, your friend comes down, you have this whole thing with his friend. I mean, what's your defense? Like she hears them talking about her, but what's her defense? I didn't say those things. She's He's basically talking about what he heard her say. You mean in the bedroom and she yeah, overheard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's you're like, pissed. Mm-hmm. He, you're he's pissed just that he's processing you. your abuse. Yes. What? And she's like, <laughs> sounds like the person that you get super drunk with and she's messy and it's funny. And now he's growing up and it's mm-hmm. like, sorry, girl. See ya. Yeah, right. And, and she's going to have a yeah. challenging... Um, <laughs> You know, good luck to her. Yeah, when you're described as abrasive, I mean, I've I remember times when I was younger that being described as that, and I was like, what? People are totally misreading me, and it's like, no, 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 you are abrasive, and then you have to come to terms <laughs> with that and understand your abrasiveness and how that affects. You know, like your intention or what you're saying isn't always how things are digested, and you have to be self-aware enough to get to get that. And sometimes mm-hmm. people don't want to ever hear that. And actually, to that point, it's like, so maybe she can change, but it's not going to happen through repeating the behavior or level of relationship that they've had thus far. This change that Bryson is about to invoke will probably help her as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because showing up to a wedding and finding out that everyone else had their <sighs> plus one there sucks. is such a fuck you. That Ugh. is such a fuck you. I would have ended Gnarly. that relationship that day and never spoken to that person 100%. again. hundred percent. I'm like, I can't stay here. COVID? I'm like, ugh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, gnarly, gnarly. So anyway, we wrap that up with a nice little bow. Well, yeah. Well, this is a tricky one. Our next email comes from Liza. She says, my son's best friend is an 11-year-old girl who is an open and proud lesbian, and she's the daughter of my best friend of almost 20 years. Our children have been friends for their entire lives. They both were over for Thanksgiving and spent the night as they had done many times before, and it was all okay until I got an urgent phone call Sunday night. On Thanksgiving, my son had forcefully kissed her daughter with tongue after being told no on a failed attempt. Her daughter is saying he sexually assaulted her. Her mom says she is traumatized and never wants to see him again. I have so much guilt. My friendship with my best friend is now in a very weird place and I feel like shit. Other Mm -hmm. than therapy for my son, which he's about to start on Tuesday, signed up initially because of school behavioral issues, I don't know what to do. What do I do to teach my son consent and mend my friendship? Liza. Okay, Liza, that's really difficult. I do. I mean, that is a very difficult situation. I think first you have to give your friend some space, like, and her child some space and not bombard her. Uh, Not that that's what you're doing, but make sure you're giving her the amount of space that it takes you to address the situation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm because if you go back and you're like, let's fix our friendship, she's not there yet. And she, and she sounds like you guys have been friends for a long time. You know, this is really unfortunate. Obviously your son does have some behavioral issues if she had told him no before. And he did that to her, even if he did that to her without her telling him, no, that's not acceptable. So you're addressing those. You should also get yourself into therapy. You know what I mean? Because your parenting obviously can help be helped by any sort of child family, like an MFCC will help you understand what you can be doing to better help your son understand the boundaries and the rules. What's that? MFCC? Like a marriage family child counselor. Cool, cool. Um, and they can help you, you know, like, or a psychologist or so, you know, you know, a psychiatrist, whatever you choose to do. I, MFCCs tend to be more affordable. So you can, 
like, you know, you just have to understand how you're supposed to direct your child because that's the responsibility you have to take. Putting him in therapy is great, but you also need to understand what your role is, what your husband or partner's role is in this dynamic as well. And then, you know, once you've learned and gleaned some valid information and valuable information and you've started to see a change in your son and he is as sorry as he's going to get about this, then you can reach out to your friend and offer an apology and, and you know, understand that the little girl may not be interested in seeing him anytime soon, but that you're available if and when she does become ready, that you and your son are available to go there, whether it's in person, whether it's via email, you know, Zoom, whatever's appropriate in, in the moment to actually have a conversation when you have information about why he did act like that and why he has started to change you know i don't think like apologies have that much merit until somebody's actually done a little bit of work on their side of things i have very little to add just like only to underline that's that's right and and that's like a that's a hard situation it's kind of like i've been thinking of i just had a baby five and a half months ago and i've been thinking about families as like onions where it's like the baby and the mother i mean at least in the very beginning are one and the next layer is the partner you know around that that layer and then the next layer is whoever the next support layer is and for your son to get help you probably need some support also in supporting him and mm-hmm. it is your job to support him first and foremost and then to understand yourself and i guess that's probably what your best friend is doing with their child too is supporting their child and that's going to take time and space yeah and it might be worth just you know just to make yourself feel better you know to send her an email saying that these are my points of action and this is what i'm going to do and i'm going to give you the space that you need obviously i'm going to try to fix this situation but i'm going to come back to you when i have something to fix it with so that she knows that you're on the road. I'm sure she's devastated as well, of course. I mean, nobody wants their little girl to go through that, and nobody wants to lose their best friend. You guys have a friendship. But remember, they are kids. These are little kids. They're 11 years old, right? That's what she said their age was? Yeah. So, like, this Mm -hmm. isn't the end of the world. This isn't define your son. This is a great opportunity for learning and growth. Huge opportunity so that this doesn't happen again and that you raise a son that understands and respects boundaries. That's right. Because also, like, teaching your son consent is a new concept in the mainstream discourse. Of course, that's always there, but it's like it's just at a new level right now. So I I love Chelsea's point of it being a great opportunity. And, And they are kids. I think just something that if you can be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Yes. And please keep us posted. Let us know what happens and how it goes with therapy, with your son and with your friend when you do reach out to her and hear back from her. It's really uh, like so generous to share this anecdote and let it be in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a break and then we'll be really back. Well, our last call of the day is from Sarah. Sarah says... Dear Chelsea, how do you gracefully take compliments? I'm somewhat of a self-conscious person who's always had trouble knowing what to do when someone gives me praise, specifically compliments regarding my son and soon-to-be second son. I adopted my 14-year-old when he was young because his parents were not able to take care of him. I was with his dad for a time and that didn't work out, but my kiddo stayed with me. When people find this out, they fall all over themselves giving me praise and I never know what to say. I want to show I'm thankful, but also that that's not really necessary. I take care of my son because it was a need I could fill and it brings me joy. My fiance and I are now adopting another little one in a similar situation of need, and I feel so uncomfortable when people pour on the admiration and I just don't know what to say. 
As you are someone who helps many more people than me, I thought you might have some expertise in this area. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, how are you? This is Alana. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Alana. I, I know who you are. I'm a fan. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, so nice to meet you. Oh, it's nice to see you. Yes, it's very nice to see you. So you just have a problem with people heaping praise on you because you're a great mom. Yes. <laughs> oh my well, gosh. When you put it like that. <laughs> no, I just think sometimes like I want to be really accepting of the admiration, but it feels uncomfortable to just be like, oh, well, thank you. I know I'm so great. Like, I really appreciate you noticing. I feel like there's got to be something that's like, makes people understand that I really am grateful for them saying that. And maybe more acknowledging that it is something a little bit different and their praise really does mean that extra bit. I feel like there's got to be more something to show how much I care that they're taking the time to show that to me. Yeah, well, I think this is so easy. First of all, I'm not great at taking compliments either, but I'm getting different kinds of compliments than you're getting. So that's my <laughs> own issue. But you just have to flip that little narrative in your head. And every time somebody gives you that compliment, it's an opportunity for you to express to them how grateful you are, A, to be in the position that you are, that you're able to do this, right? That you're able to be joyful while doing this, that you're able to have a good time, that it's like, this is your purpose in a sense. You know what I mean? It's one of your purposes for sure. And oh my gosh, <laughs> I love that so much. That just in itself is the best answer that I could ask to give when that someone says this to me. That to me sounds so much more than, oh, well, thank you. Like, oh, this is my purpose. That actually feels like when people are coming from this heartfelt place that they would feel heard by me repeating something like that to them. Yeah, it's that simple. And just start saying that, you know, you can write down three different variations and responses you have and just rotate them. Like, it's great to be able to be good at something, you know? It's great to be <laughs> so good at being a mother. Like, these kids are my life and they're a gift to me. So I'm able to give them the gift back of being a present parent. You bet I'm psyched to do this. Thank you for noticing, <laughs> you know, all of those things. That's amazing. I love those answers, all of them. And you deserve all of the credit and congratulations on your People's Choice Award. That is so awesome. Oh, thank you so much. You definitely earned it. You are making people smile and making a difference all the time, too. Oh, well, thank you. Thank what you for that cutie. compliment. Yeah, that means a lot to me, by the way. That's another thing you can say when people compliment you. That mm. means a lot to me. Love that. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's awesome, actually. Yeah, I try never I really to say, like the one thing I try to always remember is never to say thank you mindlessly. Like, you know, even mm -hmm. if, it, if like I'm at an event and they're all my fans are there and they're saying something, you know, it's over and over again. Like, I don't want to project any sort of getting used to that ever. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing this. You want to just be present for each person so you can receive their compliments and look them in the eye and be like really appreciative, you know? So that's also something, just as long as you're connecting with the person who's giving you the compliment and being heartfelt, then it lands. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like you're completely understanding where I'm coming from when I say that just saying thank you kind of feels like there's there's something just below the surface more that you can make sure that they're hearing you. So do you have I trouble, love that advice. Do you have trouble accepting compliments? <sighs> yeah, totally. And I'm, I was just thinking, Sarah, like, I mean, I, I get why people like Kvel for you. You're so sweet. And also like you have <laughs> such a caring nature about you. And I was even just thinking, just the like feeling it in your body, like really all you need to say is thank you, although it helps to have like a stable of things that you do actually mean. But it is hard to 
like feel it. It feels like electricity, right? Because it's exciting and you do feel seen. And then to be like, thank you. It, it, it's, it, it does take, um, it's kind of a skill actually yeah. to hold that energy of someone else's. So uh, I, I totally get it. And you're right though, to be like, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's like, you don't want that either. So yeah, yeah it's kind of seems like a practice for you in presence. Uh-huh. that you're looking yes. for. Yeah, you keep practicing Absolutely. that. And then like, you know, after the first three or four weeks, it's going to be second hat to you. And that's when you get into good habits. It's so easy to rehabituate yourself. Definitely. And I do want to make space for people, just like you're saying, to acknowledge that I really appreciate them taking that minute to be like, hey, what you're doing is kind of different. And so I just love those answers. And I really appreciate that. Well, thank you so yeah, much. Practicing. Yeah. Oh, there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Got it. And I missed it because I was busy saying thank you. Um, <laughs> but thank you for calling in. That was a very upbeat way for us to wrap up our episode today. So we love that always. Awesome. Nice to meet thank you. Thank you again. Nice Have to meet day. you. Keep killing it. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, that was a good that was a good last call, Catherine. Because, what a cutie! Yeah, okay. she. I know. What talk about upbeat? I'm oh. calling in to oh. figure out how to say thank you more more what sincerely. A cutie. I like was about to fawn, and I was like, no, 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 like stop. Um, I actually like <laughs> give compliments. That, that's like part of like one issue I have. I give compliments a lot. I mean them all. I really do. But it's like it's it's also like. I need to hold the thing. Like, I just love you and could, <laughs> I could quell, but it's like actually important for me to just hold how much I love you. Oh, <laughs> so like I was so... feeling that about Sarah and it's like, it's, it's funny. Holding energy is like, I don't know. We kind of spill over and it's like Instagram you like and you like and you, you know, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I'm like knocking Instagram today, but um, you know, just our world is designed for like these like little compulsion check boxes and I, I get where she's coming from. Yeah, but I think that makes you unique. You know what I mean? It's a nice quality, like holding back your affection or being effusive about somebody is when it's sincere, which it always is with you. I think people can also read that. And I think that, you know, you don't want to like monitor your personality in that way. You may think you're overdoing it, but like even you mentioning Joe, I was like, I didn't see that at all. You know what I mean? So that's our own personal thing. That's like me always. I always had that with inserting myself. That's something I should hold back on because it's not necessary all the Mm -hmm. time. But when you're bringing joy and giving somebody props, that there's nothing ever wrong with that, right? Well, it's like I'm measuring the balance between, I mean, it is always sincere, but it's like, I don't want it to be a compulsion. It's a little bit like, you know, just like coming all over somebody where yeah. it's like, you know, like it, it also like puts this spotlight on people that, as Sarah said, it is like, there's a balance there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I it's hear a you. little bit for me to let them know how I feel, where it's like for me to walk away today and be like, oh, Chelsea. You know, there's part, there's part of it for me to hold and just enjoy. Oh, well, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, we're always, con- I know, it's a constant exa- a self-examination. That's right. Especially if you're, you know, like to be enlightened or like right. to think of yourself in the process of being enlightened. Because we can't say enlightened because then we're cooked. And then there would be no reason to be here. That's right. At least that's what I keep telling myself. It's true. It's true. It's a climb. <laughs> well, one last thing, Alana. Do you have a piece of advice you'd like to ask Chelsea about? Yes. You know, these days as stand-up is an amorphous process compared to what it used to be, which was so clear you just get out and do it and try. Yeah. I am curious how you are dealing with COVID on tour. Yeah. I'm curious how, you know, are you like, you know, are you vaxxed all the way such that you're like, I did all that I can do. I got to live my life. Are you, you know, here I am with this mask. What, what, how are you dealing with it? 
Well, I have vaccination requirements at the venues. So cool. if they're not vaccinated, then they have to get a PCR test at the venue. Like in Detroit, that yeah. was a city I remember we had to start an hour and a half late because there were 200 Ooh. people online getting getting their PCR tests. So, because they were not vaccinated. Because they were not vaccinated. And is that, can you do that no matter what the state? I don't know the rules behind that because my I, my tours with Live Nation, so there are a lot of Live Nation venues. All Live Nation I venues, see. it's mandatory vaccination. Cool. I'm vaxxed, boosted, and I do a meet and greet though with yeah. with people. They have to have proof of vaccination to come back there. We all wear masks. Cool. There's no like taking off the masks. You know, if we say hello, we take a picture, blah blah blah. So you know, you have to obviously be a little bit safer yeah. than you would be in your own like home, but it's doable and it's worth it for me. It's totally worthwhile. And once you start getting out there, you're going to feel like the energy now, uh-huh. you yep. know, oh, I'm so of ready. the stand up, having live performances and live crowds. And you are doing a service for people like mm. you are coming to their city and you are showing up for them and they value that. I'm so ready for it. I, yeah. I miss I miss everybody. I know. Well, I'm ready. I can't wait for your next one hour. I yeah. just can't wait. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Her last hour is on Amazon. That's right. Right. Called The Planet is Burning. Yeah. The Planet is Burning. Just That's a reminder. A, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you guys want to tune into that, too. And don't forget to check out False Positive. If you haven't seen that, that's on Hulu, you guys. OK, so check that out, too. And follow Alana Glazer on Instagram. I can't say it anymore because we've been bad mouthing it all. So I'm just calling it Instagram. Insta Glazer. <laughs> Uh, Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you, Alana. I always love seeing you. You, I love you. I'm Mm. always learning. I'm always learning from you, too. I love you, Chelsea (laughs) Handjob. I really love you. Bye. And if you'd like to get advice from Chelsea and one of her guests, please write in to dearchelseaproject at gmail.com.